We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hey, yo, what's up, everybody? This is Joe Pizzafia, and this is the Rotowire DFS podcast sponsored by FanDuel. I am your host. It's Friday. It's football. It's Joe Pizzafia and John McKechnie. Johnny boy, how you doing? Oh, you know I'm doing, man. Well, actually, I'm still emotionally recovering from our final uh, baseball podcast of the season. But, you know, there is still football, and thus there's still hope. So I'm, I'm feeling good. Yes, it was a it was a turning of the page, so to speak. Hashtag Matt Harvey face. Uh, so you go check that out if you want a good laugh. That's a that's a good time if you're just in the mover podcast today over here at RotoWire. But yes, we've turned the page officially on baseball for you and I. Now it's all just football all the time from now to the end of the year. And I know people are already annoyed that I said baseball on this podcast already. So <laughs> without further ado. Let's get into it. Quarterbacks this week, let's start there. Top of the board is Tom Brady, and let's stop there for a second and just bask in the glow of the greatest of all time because he is. I mean, he just is. Now, it's a tougher defense this week. Uh, he's got – I mean, well, Houston's a tough defense too. I don't get to take away anything. But he's got a tough defense against specifically the pass. So that's something to keep in mind here. However, I, I feel very good about Brady in this one because more so the Carolina offense is really unable to move the football a lot. They have a lot of issues, a lot of you know health problems and whatnot. And I'm looking at Brady at 95 in cash games, and I'm still okay paying for it. And as we get on with the podcast, we're going to show you some of the players that you can put in your lineup that allow you to forward Tom Brady. Yeah, I, th- I think that you know, in terms of high-end quarterbacks or, or cash game quarterbacks, it, the conversation really starts with, with Brady, and and that's also kind of uh, where the way this week kind of shook out uh, slate-wise, because you gotta you gotta play the London slate um, if you want to get a Drew Brees going against Miami, and, or you know you would have had to go uh, do the all-week slate with the Thursday included if you wanted to get Rodgers. So that by process of elimination, like Brady is far and away. Uh, the best quarterback on the board, and it's reflected in the price. I mean, it's pretty obvious, you know, 1500 more expensive than uh, Matt Ryan, and, you know, really rightfully so. And I think that this, 
like you said, this is a situation where Carolina is going to be getting in a lot of three and outs. That defense is going to get worn down. And, you know, Brady just has so many weapons, you know, be it, uh, you know, a, a guy out of the backfield and James White, a guy over the slot, uh, you know, deep down the field with Cooks or, or just Gronk. So, I mean, there, there's so many ways that, that he can beat you um, that I don't think Carolina's defense is going to be ready to hold up for 60 minutes. No, and Matt Ryan, some people will argue to fade him at 8K from Brady, but I, I don't see it because this is a guy who's only going two times value, whereas Brady's having those two to three. And that's worth paying the premium for, especially in the cash games where you get that little extra bounce from quarterback. It offsets, God forbid, you have a bad outing from a tight end or a defense or something like that. You know, those extra 10 points sometimes can really be a difference maker. Let's talk about Russell Wilson at 79. He's at home against Indianapolis. He's coming off his first good game of the year. We know Indy on defense is just terrible, especially against the pass. But I don't know. I'm still not feeling this. I don't feel confident in Russell Wilson. Maybe it's the offensive line. I just can't get there for him. Yeah, I think I think uh, this is a situation where, where Wilson is probably going to be most people's pivot from Tom Brady among these uh, more upper end quarterbacks, and you know, rightfully so with Indianapolis. But uh, you know, Doug Baldwin uh, got a little bit banged up last week. Um, there, there's just a lot of question marks on that offense, so a lot more so that, than uh, you know people were expecting, and people were approaching the Seattle offense in you know season long drafts. Um, and right now, you got to you got to realize that this isn't an offense that that you feel particularly great about. And I know they put up some points on the road last week, but uh, still, that there are issues there. And I'm I'm probably off of uh, Russell. Witt. Like if I'm not going Tom Brady, I'm going much further down the board. It's a tough quarterback week, which is why I'm really you know on the soapbox for Brady because Derek Carr is in Denver, which is not a good matchup. Ben nope. Roethlisberger is completely dead to me on the road. <laughs> for the rest of his life and my life and anyone else's life who listening to this podcast, you got Stafford going to Minnesota, which is not easy. You got Mariota going to Houston, also not easy. And then Blake Bortles, who if he's not playing in England, I know it's the Jets, but I, I can't feel good about him either. If you go all the way down to the board, you know, let's start with Trevor Simeon. Now I understand last week wasn't the greatest outing. I get that, but at home so far this year, he's played pretty well, relatively well. I mean, 23 back to back and home games this year. But, you know, Oakland, I know Oakland's looking to kind of bounce back after that loss last week that was a trap game that we all saw coming. But at the same mm-hmm. time, you know, I, I still feel good enough about Trevor Simeon considering that Oakland defense just, to me, still hasn't shown me anything. Yeah, especially in the in the secondary. And, you know, so really if, if Denver's offensive line is able to give Simeon uh, some time to throw and, and, you know, kind of alleviate – uh, or negate that Oakland pass rush, um, then I think that uh, the, the receiving core that Denver has is going to be able to get open like we saw uh, last week with, with what Washington was able to do against that secondary. So I do like Simeon a fair bit, and I'm certainly uh, considering him because he's at, he's at home. Um, but I actually like, and maybe I'm like too much into the recency bias here, but uh, you know, if you move down the board a little bit, it's, it's interesting to me that, that uh, Deshaun Watson and Jameis Winston are both 7,300, but I, I think I actually like Deshaun Watson a little bit more this week. And, uh, you know, for a GPP consideration, I think he opens things up for you for, for to load up the rest of your lineup uh, a fair bit. And he's, he played really well. He's give he gives you like a bit of that rushing floor, uh, to help, to help matters. And he's getting Will Fuller back. Who's kind of a game breaking receiver. Um, so I like Watson a fair bit, especially considering, uh, how poor, uh, Tennessee looked, uh, defensively last week yeah and if you're look if in terms of cash game quarterbacks we said it's a limited group I mean it's Brady for me and everybody else is no go 
But in the flip side, in tournaments, there's a lot of potential here. Uh, Prescott's potential, Simeon's potential, Carson Palmer's in play. As you said, Deshaun Watson, I agree 100% with you. Um, you know, the Carson Palmer one's an interesting one, too. He's at home against San Fran. I don't love Palmer, but I think he can certainly do enough in that game. We saw Jared Goff go off against them. I'll tell you what, right. too, uh, Phillip Rivers and the Chargers right now, that's a season on the brink for them. Phillip Rivers has to get right. Are they going to be 0-4? And that's the end of their season as far as I'm concerned. So that's another guy if you've right. got the guts to do it. Jared Goff, there's two guys here at 72 and 71. Actually, three. I'm going to throw Eli in this mix, too. There's Goff at Dallas. There's Andy Dalton at Cleveland and Eli Manning at Tampa. Now, all three are on the road. Eli's got a spot where Tampa's really banged up defensively. And all of a sudden, they're looking healthy, and we know they have no running game, so it's going to be probably a 300-yard game from Eli because it has to be. Then you got Andy Dalton, who's starting to look better. Green is getting better. Mixon's getting more touches. That's positive since the coordinator change. And then golf against a Dallas defense that's given up a ton of yards as well through the air. If you had to pick one of these three, roughly the same price, which one would you go for, Goff, Manning, or Dalton? Or. Um, I think, you know, I'm going to kind of hold my nose and go the Eli route because, like you said, uh, the Tampa Bay defense has been uh, very vulnerable uh, through the air. According to DVOA, they're like 29th in the league as far as defending the pass goes. Um, so that's, I mean, that's pretty serious. And, you know, they, they got shredded by, by Case Keenum. Uh, that cannot be forgotten. So I think that Eli, despite the fact that he's on the road, uh, you know, Odell, you know, he's healthy now, it looks like. Um, you know, so that, that adds just like a whole other element to that offense. Um, and like you said, there's just no run rushing presence from the Giants. So Eli's going to be throwing it, you know, upwards of 40 times. And I think that that like that sort of volume uh, is going to is going to carry him and kind of make him the best of that trio. But I, I think arguments can certainly be made for Go- for Goff because um, that that secondary uh, for for Dallas made Carson Palmer look good. And then, you know, Cleveland uh, still Cleveland. So, I mean, they, they've compiled some talent but it's still not completely gelled yet um i'm probably i'm probably ranking dalton third of this group but but manning and golf i think both are viable yeah and i'll tell you i think Manning is gonna be very chalky in tournaments this week but i don't think it's wrong you know i think it might be one of those spots where you know either a brady lineup or a manning lineup is gonna be towards the top of a lot of tournaments and i say that because you know a lot of people will say oh you know you can't you know you can't take some of those cash game lives and throw them in tournaments sometimes you can especially when they got a guy like Brady who's capable of having a 30-point day. Uh, you know, that could be a difference maker, you know. So totally. take a look at last week, if you don't believe me, and look at some of the top of the boards there. All right, let's go over to running board and look at the elite group this week. Now, Le'Veon Bell still looking to get going. He's going against Baltimore 86. It's a tough sell for me, kind of on the fence, despite the, how much I hate Roethlisberger. I feel like that kind of eats into Le'Veon Bell a, a tad as well, his performance. Then you got Devontae Freeman at 85. I feel pretty good about him. I feel very good about Elliott. Uh, I know the Rams defense is good, but still Elliott at home is always a good one. LaShawn McCoy, now here's a tricky one because McCoy's had a couple bad outings here. But at the same time, you know, if he should get involved in the passing game substantially, we know how Atlanta can struggle against the pass. Is Shady McCoy here today kind of an underrated low – ownership guy that might be flying under the radar and this might be a better matchup than people realize uh i mean all the all those reasons make sense here but it's just hard for me to to pay the, uh, that price when there's 200 dollars more for for you know the the safety of, of going ezekiel elliott like mccoy like you said is thrown in some clunkers thus far um that buffalo offense is, does not look particularly good um atlanta um I, I expect them to jump out to a lead here um against the bills 
Uh, I know that McCoy has some appeal in the passing game, and that, that's where he can kind of sting uh, that Atlanta defense. That's how kind of Ty Montgomery did it. Um, but I'm not sure that, that McCoy quite is the same level as a pass catcher as Montgomery. Um, so I'm probably off of him. Uh, this week. I, I understand your rationale there, but I'm probably not using them. I'm going to be on them in tournaments because I think that that's a, that's a difference maker because of the ownership level. I think it at the very that's least, fair. there's a separation there where, you know, if he does have a good game, that's a guy that could jump out at you. Now I'm looking for some revenge against the Jets because I didn't get what I wanted last week from Ajayi, but I think I'm going to get it from Leonard Fournette because the Jets are awful against the run. This is a still a run first offense. I don't care what the score last week told you with the Jaguars, but Leonard Fournette's a guy that's given you two times value every week so far, and he's got a great matchup this week. Uh, to me, sign me up for Fournette. Underneath him, you got Dalvin Cook, who I think is going to be in there. I wouldn't mess around with Gordon. Uh, C.J. Anderson's not my type of DFS back, so I'm going to shy away because I think he lacks that big time upside. But if you continue to go down, you got the usual suspects here. You you feel good maybe about taking a risk on a Powell or a Gillisley. I think it's going to be more Gillisley in this week too than you saw last week. A little bit more grinding because of the kind of defense that Carolina is. But we really, you know, we talked about it, you and I off air yesterday. Joe Mixon at 56, it's going to be high owned. I love it. I don't care if it's going to be high owned. You saw the 18 carries and the three catches last week in Green Bay. I think he's prime for a big game here against the uh, the Cleveland Browns and you know right now in terms of return on the value there's a guy right now that's going to allow you to go to Brady yeah I mean it's it's sort of like the um almost like the market inefficiency or, or something for for this particular week slate and and I think you're kind of mistaken uh if you go away from mixing and you, you got to consider like the the trend uh in Cincinnati now that um, old offensive coordinators and Pease is gone. Uh, Laser trying to get the ball into the playmakers' hands a bit more. You saw them t- like target the hell out of AJ Green last week, and and they started to give Mixon the ball more. I uh, gave him a ton more snaps than anyone else in that backfield. I expect that number to increase even further, like the the disparity between his snap counts and the rest of that Cincinnati backfield. So, um, you know, it's sort of like fade him at your own risk at this point. No, I agree. I mean, because he doesn't have to do much to return value, number one. So just like Gurley in week one where everybody said, wow, it's really cheap and he's going to be highly owned. He was 30% owned. And guess what? He was 30% owned and in the winning tournament lineups all over the joint. So if you want to get a little pivot from Mixon, though, if you want to differentiate a little bit, Javoris Allen, I think, will be a bounce back, too, against Pittsburgh. I expect Baltimore to really bounce back in this game because they got absolutely shellacked and embarrassed. And a Harbaugh team is a team that's going to come back and realize what happened there, and they're going to be ready, especially in this in-division game. So I expect a lot of Javoris Allen in this one. As you can continue to go down here, let's talk about Wendell Smallwood. Now, I prefer him on a full PPR because I'm concerned about the touchdown upside, but what are your thoughts on him at 53? Is he another valuable or viable, I should say, pivot from Joe Mixon in that price range? Yeah, I think I think the way that you, you said it uh, works. Like, it, he's a pivot from Mixon. Like, if, if you are going for – if you're not going too expensive running backs, uh, then I think uh, either Smallwood, uh, Tevin Coleman, or uh, Joe Mixon would be your guys. Um, Smallwood, he, there's a bit of a of the unknown here with him. You know, this is really going to be the first time that we, that we see him get a, a ton of work out of that backfield now that Sproles is gone. Um, but that Chargers defense isn't all that great. Um, it's missing some key pieces. Um, so, you know, if Smallwood um, is able to to kind of get a bunch of targets and, and you know, give you a little bit rushing-wise, um, I think that, you know, like you said, he doesn't need to do a ton to hit value. I just I think that Mixon's ceiling uh, is demonstrably higher than, than what Smallwood has. 
Nice vocab. Demonstrably. I like it. You're welcome. Enough. Very good. See Friday morning. All that college education, all those student loans paying off. Uh, Carlos Hyde and DeMarco Murray. Hyde's at 68. DeMarco Murray's at 65. I want to go to these mid-range guys because Hyde is an integral part of that offense. Uh, and this is a spot where I know he didn't practice on Wednesday, but I think things are looking good. He's still questionable as of right now. But if he's in there, you know the volume is going to be there for Hyde. And then you got DeMarco Murray, who's coming off his first good game uh, all year, you know, over the first right. couple of weeks. And he's 65. He's on the road. Both of these guys, I feel like people still aren't buying in on. And they are kind of in the mid-range, so they're not quite the four net and they're not quite the mix-in. What are your thoughts on these guys? Do you think either one of them are viable? And if so, what kind of contest would you play them in or which one would you play them at all if you indeed thought you could make a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a bonus with them? Because I feel like general public is still not buying into Hyde or Murray after this last week. Yeah, you know, you consider what – um, Hyde has to compete with it out of that backfield versus what, um, excuse me, uh, what, what Murray does. But le- last week kind of told, told everybody, you know, every, Derek Henry was sort of the, the hot commodity last week because he played well when DeMarco was banged up the previous week. Um, but D- a healthy DeMarco played a fair bit more snaps uh, th- than did uh, Derek Henry. He played 18 more snaps, so that's a pretty big percentage there. Um, so I think that, that – uh, Murray's going to see plenty of plenty of work this week. I, I'm not as worried about the Henry Vulture as, as you know some people could could be, um, but I still think Hyde sees more. Uh, so I'd probably go the Hyde route. And I thought that Hyde ran extremely well uh, in San Francisco's last game, and uh, he's had a bit longer of a layoff to to kind of get himself right. I know that you mentioned some limited uh, in practice throughout this week, but I, I would probably go uh, with Carlos Hyde against that Arizona front. Yeah, I think it's a good call, too. I, I agree. I'm still not buying quite Murray. I want him to be very healthy. Uh, right now, I know he's healthy enough, and he played well last week, but I don't know if you could expect that same outing on the road. Uh, the other guy, too, is McCaffrey in that mid-range, where if you think Kareem Hunt gave you know the Patriots problems in week one, that defense without Hightower, uh, I, I think that McCaffrey's the exact same kind of guy who's going to give them fits. I don't like anything else in the Carolina offense this week. I I we were all cautiously optimistic and holding and crossing our fingers that Cam Newton would muster enough and figure it out and things would get back on track. But after that, they're done for me. But McCaffrey in this game, I think you can make the case for. All right, let's go to wide receiver, top of the board, Antonio Brown. Look, he's always steady, but I think you have other options in the elite group. You got Odell Beckham, who has a great matchup against Tampa at 91. Him and Eli together is going to be a very popular pairing. Him and Shepard, Manning and Shepard, will also be very popular, would be my guess too on the – fade Odell group uh, then you got Julio Jones who's dealing with the back issue uh, he's been you know basically limited or not practicing for the most uh, of the week um, just and I get it whenever you're dealing with a back issue I think that's a little bit you know just in term of maintenance he's been right. very good hasn't found the end zone yet I expect that to change I'm happy paying $700 less than Odell Beckham for Julio and I still feel good about Julio despite the back issue uh, the problem is AJ Green is even four hundred dollars less than him, and I feel even better about Green against Cleveland. Yeah, that that's the thing. It, you know, like I think that Julio is due for a big game, so I, I'm I'm off of these uh, top two guys myself as well. Um, but uh, I think a lot of people will will see uh, Julio kind of sandwiched in between those two groups, um, where where AJ Green's four hundred less, and then you could go up the board. Um, and I think that's that's going 
going to drive his ownership down. So I, I imagine that Green's going to have a fair bit more ownership. And I think people, you know, will, will kind of see the, the baseline, like there hasn't been a monster Julio game yet and just sort of move away from it, especially going against Buffalo defense. It's been relatively tough so far. But um, so I think that that, that ups uh, Julio's tournament appeal this week. I think that he's going to be uh, lesser owned of the, of the, uh, Top four, even top five guys. I think Mike Evans is also going to be a bit trendy this week, even if like Janoris Jenkins is back for the Giants. I still think that Jones, uh, probably the lowest owned, but I, I with that, I think that um, it, it ups his tournament appeal. Now, Doug Baldwin is dealing with a groin issue. You got to keep an eye on him. Now, if he is playing, that that defense for Indianapolis, <laughs> the secondary oh is so bad that I think Doug Baldwin at 76 becomes a really, really good fade from the very top of the group. Now, a lot of it has to do with his health. Uh, Crabtree's another guy that, you know, I don't – all I love him every time. It's about health. Uh, it's also a little bit of a question about Denver because Matt, uh, Derek Carr's been terrible against Denver yeah. in his career so far. And you got you to gotta keep that in mind. Some guys just don't play well against certain teams in certain locations. They just have their number. Keenan Allen's been a target monster. We know that. But unfortunately, it hasn't yet turned around in the big day. Sammy Watkins coming off a big one. Stephon Diggs also. So we got this second grouping here after Baldwin where you got Allen, Watkins, Diggs, and even Golden Tate we could throw in here. Now, I've got a lineup of Golden Tate in it. I still think Diggs is very viable. Watkins I feel less confident in. And then Keenan Allen, I know the volume is going to be there, but so far the conversions haven't. And I think there's equal chance it's a coin flip that the Chargers save their season or the Chargers just go away for the rest of the year in this game. Yeah, no, that, that like you said, that, um, that Chargers game, it, their season is sort of on the line to start here. But um, I'm not on Keenan Allen this week personally. It, it, it's really, to me, um, a question of, of how are you approaching Diggs versus um, one of one of like the – um, Denver receivers because with, with Diggs he's been such a target monster like you said that they, they, they're giving him the ball and he's been efficient with it he's, he's catching most everything that's thrown his way and he's making big plays with it um, but I think Detroit's secondary oddly enough is a huge step up uh, from what uh, he was going against last week against Tampa Bay um, so I think you have to at least consider that um, and then you know moving down a little bit uh, Demarius Thomas and, and Emmanuel Sanders both guys that, that see um, a ton of targets in that Denver offense and you know, it, it's roughly like a nine targets for, for Sanders and eight targets a game for, for Thomas. But Thomas, about four yards more efficient per target uh, than Sanders. Um, so I think that, that Thomas would be the guy that I'm looking for um, in this one. And, uh, you know, especially considering Denver at home against a bad Oakland secondary. If you wanted to go that Simeon route, uh, Thomas would be the one I'm pairing, pairing him with. Yeah, I can understand that. You know, both of them I think are very viable. You know, Sanders coming off the big game last time, and then I think Sanders is uh, – well, the last time at home. Sanders is a guy for me that last year, and you go back and you look at all the red zone targets he had, he just didn't convert a lot of them. So that, that sometimes can be a fluky thing. Yeah. If he continues to start converting them at a better rate, I could see a situation where three weeks from now we're flipping those and we're thinking Sanders is better than Thomas just because of that conversion potentially that might be available. Now, we'll see how the defenses handle these two going forward. Chris Hogan at 69 is another guy in that range too if you want to pair up with Brady. That's more of a tournament play than a cash game play, as even though Hogan's been good. Same thing with Amendola. I don't think he has enough upside. I don't really want Amendola, Cooks, no. any of those guys. I prefer Gronk. Give me Gronk and Brady together, but we'll touch on that when we get to tight ends. Now, let's go down to the lesser guys. Pierre Garçon's been a guy that's getting a ton of balls thrown his way. We all know that the scoring opportunities are what's the problem. That's what's limited. He's got a tough matchup this week in Arizona. 
So I'm going to stay away from him. But on the flip side, I, I do like Fitzgerald. I like him to continue doing what he's doing. As long as the calendar still says, uh, you know, early October, late September, I'm still okay. By the time I get to Halloween, I won't be okay with Larry Fitzgerald. But right now we're still in that window where it's okay. Right. I mean, they're, they're force feeding the hell out of, uh, out of Larry. Like that they're, he's pretty much, you know, by, by virtue of JJ Nelson and John Brown, just being question marks seemingly every week. Um, Fitzgerald really becomes the only guy uh, that Palmer has to throw to. And, and uh, you know, again, this is a San Francisco secondary that got absolutely shredded by Jared Goff. Um, and for, for as improved as Jared Goff look, looks, um, I think that's still, you know, something to consider. Um, and this is also a home game. Uh, for the Cardinals. So I do like Fitzgerald a fair bit. Um, and then moving down the board, like way bit, um, you know, this is, this is definitely more of a tournament play. Um, but Adam Humphreys last week, I was looking at the targets. Uh, he had 10 of them and uh, you know, his yards per target isn't, isn't necessarily great, but um, I, so maybe you prefer this in, in more of a PPR type of a full point uh, PPR type of format, but you know, Mike Evans is going to be drawing a ton of attention, Cameron Brait and OJ Howard. So I think Humphreys can kind of uh, supplement your the over the middle uh, type of offense for Tampa Bay. And I think that he might actually sneakily be uh, not a bad play there. You know, and that's the whole point in the half PPR. I always give the tie to the guy who can score a touchdown. Yep. You know, you know, Fair. that's what I'm looking for. I'm always looking and, and people say, well, it's only half. It's not a big difference, but it is. So I think you always have to look for the guys. If you look at your lineup, especially in cash games, you can go, okay, I could see all these guys getting a touchdown, then you're in good shape. I think that's what you got to look for first and foremost. Volume number one, number two, you know, touchdown upside. And then the third thing is that, you know, ability to make sure they're getting catches and all that stuff. I, mm-hmm. I want touchdowns because touchdowns are what's a separator, especially sometimes those more touchdown dependent guys tend to be less liked and less owned. So that's something to keep in mind. I don't know about you, John, but I was shocked that Kelvin Benjamin was back in practicing and it looks like he's going to play. I still don't want him. I'm just kind of no. saying it out loud because I just can't believe it's true. <laughs> that, yeah, that, I mean, that is something right there. I mean, yeah, did not, I did not expect that. All right, let's talk about Sterling Shepard at 61, a guy who I mentioned earlier. I think is going to be heavily owned off that last week now. He had 10 targets for seven catches, 133 in a score. That's great. I don't expect a repeat of that, but if he gives me somewhere around five and 70 and maybe a touchdown, I still think he's pretty viable at 6,100. I like that. And I think you also bring up a good point that it's like, when, when have we seen that from Sterling Shepard yet in the pros? I mean, that's something that, that he would do at Oklahoma and stuff, but uh, had not seen him do it quite to that level in, in the pros yet. Uh, I think that he comes back down to earth a little bit. And then when Richard Matthews is sitting there uh, for a hundred dollars less, I know that Houston has a, has a pretty solid defense overall. Um, I think, you know, the Brady game, notwithstanding um, Matthews with, with the, um, with the fact that the Corey Davis is out, that's one less, uh, you know, kind of factor to, to be worried about. I think Matthews is going to see a ton of targets and he's, he's on like a great streak. I saw it uh, maybe from your guy, Jake Seeley, that, that he's, he's had like either 70 yards or a touchdown in like 10 straight games or something along those lines. So he's been remarkably consistent. Um, and I do like the, the fact that um, there's one less uh, guy to worry about in that Tennessee receiving core. So I, I like Matthews if I'm going in this little uh, like uh, tier. All right, let's keep going down because there's another guy at 5K who bears mention. Uh, we, you know, Cooper Cup's a guy at 56. Yeah, I think against Dallas it's it's viable, but I think it still lacks a little bit of upside. You got the Robbie Anderson curse group, but I want to keep going. I'm going to keep going down and down and down, and there's a couple guys here at 55 and under 
that I think you have to be aware of. The first one's Robert Woods. I think Woods has a little bit more uh, touchdown upside potential in this game, in particular against the Cowboys, than even Cooper Cup has, and he's a lot cheaper yep. than Watkins. And then if you go even further, I gotta say uh, this week, if you you know you talked about. Uh, a couple of the other guys here who are lower owned or lower price, but Travis Benjamin yes. against the Eagles. Educate he's, the people. He's You've 5K. been on this all week. I have. I've been on it all week, and I was on it last Get week it. too, where he where he was, you know, getting a fair amount of targets. And yes, I understand that he had that one game in the middle against Miami that was dreadful. I get that. But at Denver, he was good. He got in the end zone last week. It was a big volume. I think that what you're seeing is Benjamin's kind of that big, you know, taking a shot down the field guy. So he has explosiveness. And I think when you're down at 5K, all you need is explosiveness. That's what you're yep. looking for. And I kind of liken it back to last year at this time where Tariq Hill was. Because Tariq Hill was around the same price. He was 5,100, 5,200. I said to people, look, you go out and you play him because he's explosive, because he has the chance to give you a big game. He may or may not, but if he doesn't, 5K is not going to kill you. So even if he comes back with a 6, okay, you'll make it up somewhere else because you've hopefully you know, found other things. And this is another guy, when you talk about trying to make room for Tom Brady, Travis Benjamin allows you to make room for Tom Brady. Yeah, that, that, that's one of the biggest things. And then uh, you, you mentioned, I think you nailed it as far as Benjamin's skill set. I mean, that guy is, is remarkably fast. Um, and I, I did some digging into like where Philly is allowing their yards. Um, a lot of the time, uh, that they're pretty tough against like those those top two receivers, um, and that that third guy can be the one that burns them. So like a Tyrell well, Williams, look at Shepard last week, exactly like Tyrell Williams, like you'd be off of him. But then Travis Benjamin at five k, and and you know to your point, um, it's it's not that he, or or actually I don't think that there's even like the chance of him going for that six points because last week, uh, you know eight targets. Uh, so Rivers is obviously getting more and more comfortable with him. And he was doing like 10 yards a target. So, I mean, very, very efficient with, with his looks. Um, so assuming that he gets, you know, anywhere from like the six, seven, eight, uh, even nine target range, I think he's going to do a lot with it. All right, let's go over to tight ends. Gronk is 8,500. And uh, guess what, kids? It's a Gronk smash week. Uh, last week was a Gronk smash week. Um, it's, it's starting to shape up like every Pretty, week might be yep. that. Well, look, most weeks at home. You know, those yeah. games where they're at home, I'm, I'm all about going Gronk. And, you know, last week, New Orleans, or two weeks ago, I should say, you know, that was a no-brainer, too, because of the matchup. But if you want to talk about consistency of being part of the offense, it's going to be Gronk when it comes to Brady. And I know you got to pay a premium for both of them, but you're paying for premium talent. So I'm all for it, especially in a week where there's so many questions. Tight end just seems to get worse and worse. Laney Walker's a safe one at 65. I think you're fine with him. I think you're fine with Ertz. Outside of that, I don't think you're fine. I don't think you're fine. And I've, I was the Witten whisperer a couple of weeks ago. I gave you Witten. Clay maybe a 53 if you're going to fade the whole group and say, you know what, screw it. I'm going to go way down here because Clay has been very consistent. He's got two touchdowns in the first three games. He's getting somewhere around five targets, you know, six targets per game. So we're on average. That's a good thing. And Tyrod Taylor and the Bills are starting to play a little bit better offensively of late. Then you got Cameron Brait, who, you know, I want to talk about him for a second because the Giants right. suck against tight ends. They've <laughs> sucked against tight ends for three years now. They have yet to – it's like – it's amazing. I don't know what they do in the front office. Like, hey, Eric Flowers stinks. Well, let's never address it. Hey, let's we put it. At, let's just keep him at left tackle. Yeah, let's just say nice things and you know and hope for things and and you know eventually people just ignore it, right? <laughs> and they can't stop the tight end, and that's been three years. But they've done nothing in the linebacker core to address it. I think Cameron Bright has limited upside. He's got touchdown potential in this one, 
And if you want to just throw a dart between him and Clay, I'm okay with that this week if you don't want to go Gronk. Yeah, I mean, really for me, um, I'm, I guess I'm a little bit bigger on Ertz this week than you are. I mean, Gronk, obviously, uh, rightfully so, the number one guy. But Ertz uh, really is playing like a top three tight end. And like you said, uh, the, the, the tight end crop uh, this year has been really disappointing overall. I mean, like if you're a guy that's been heavily in, invested in Jimmy Graham or, or Tyler Eifert, uh, that really has been hurting you a fair bit. Um, so I like, I like Ertz a lot um, at 6,900. If you wanted to for me, my dart would would probably be Tyler Croft on Cincinnati, um, mostly just because he's going against Cleveland, and I, I think that that Cleveland secondary um, can can get uh, torched a little bit um, by the by the tight end position. I think you know Jack Doyle uh, played pretty well, um, and I think Croft at forty nine hundred. I mean, it's definitely not something that you're counting on a lot of return on, um, but I think you could do worse if you're kind of punting a tight end. Well, and you're doing multiple lineups. I would do one with him and one with Njoku at 49 too yeah. because Njoku is another guy that I don't think people realize it he's got back-to-back games with a touchdown all you need is the touchdown that's it and the guy's a beast he too. is a beast he's a terrific player in, in terms of athleticism uh, a lot of people I'm sure will be on Evan Ingram but I'd rather have Njoku to tell you the truth I think there's a, a better upside for the touchdown I'd rather save a couple hundred dollars it's not a lot of savings but it's enough savings the rest of this group you know, the Jenkinses and the, you know, Vance McDonald's and Gates and all. Uh, no, 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 hard no. Stop. Put it down right now and go sit, go sit in that chair. Yeah, go sit in the corner. Go sit yes. in the corner, wear this hat, and, and don't look at us until we tell you. Uh, but look, outside of that, it's pay for tight end this week. I, yeah. I'm fine with Ertz. I, my thing with Ertz is always the same problem, which, you know, I think he is good, not great. You know, okay. and and I think that the problem is is that lack of steady red zone opportunity. I think that's the thing that always irks me a little bit. Where you know, it last year towards the second half of the year it got better, it improved, but the conversion still wasn't there. Now, like I mentioned with Sanders, that can be fluky sometimes. You know, guys can catch balls and then you know it's it's called back or this you know things like that happen. But with Ertz. I'm always kind of on the fence with him in a full PPR. I feel great in the half. That's where it's always my concern is what if he doesn't have, you know, he doesn't have a touchdown and he has a bad day. Then it's really bad. See some of these guys like Delaney Walker, he could have a bad day, but still get in the end zone. Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing. That's the differential for me. Although, Delaney Walker's another guy who doesn't have a touchdown yet on the year. So um, yeah, just, just makes you want to grow. Ertz got two uh, red zone targets last week. Obviously, there's not like a ton or anything. But, no, but uh, that's you know, not bad. That's that's yeah. a good it's team high. So really, it's I'll a matter it to of you. Clay or does Ertz, Philly do it? Yeah, Ertz. Clay or Ertz? You still go Ertz? Okay, absolutely. You pay the premium for him. Ertz yes. or Gronk for you? Um, boy, I mean, that's that's the issue. Like, like uh, you really do have to get a Travis Benjamin in your lineup if you want to get uh, the Gronkowski too. So if you want a bit more of like a balanced lineup, then, then I'd say Ertz. But um, high upside, obviously, it's Gronk. All right, let's go over to defenses here. Obviously, Seattle's going to be a premium, and I can understand why, but there's also other places to go. Jacksonville for 200 less against the Jets is terrific. Jacksonville's played really well defensively this year, not just from the cornerbacks, but also from the pass rush. Yep. Uh, I expect a lot of turnovers in this game for the Jacksonville side. Uh, Atlanta hosting Buffalo is okay. I don't love it. I prefer Denver at Oakland, to tell you the truth, for the same price. Uh, as you continue to go down here, is there a mid-range defense that you can make a case for? Is it Arizona against San Fran? 
Uh, is it a team like Baltimore against the Pittsburgh Steelers and Roethlisberger on the road in that rebound after an embarrassing loss? Again, I can't stress embarrassing enough about the Ravens last week. But hey, man, you, <laughs> you're hurting my feelings now. Uh, why? You're not a Ravens. Oh, you are? You're a Ravens <laughs> yeah. guy? That's right. I forgot because you're an Orioles guy. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, let me yeah. just let me, let me me soften the blow. No, but I, Incredibly I'm, I'm, embarrassing. <laughs> Hey man, I mean, it was. let it call it what it is. I woke up, I saw it, and then I went back to sleep. That's, that's pretty much. <laughs> you no, know, at least went. you woke up because Joe Flacco never did. No, Joe he Flacco did not. was asleep the entire time, and, and he's, he's going to be he's going to be jet lagged again. So that's why I actually think the Steelers are my are my pick for the mid range uh, defenses because usually teams will get a bye week after that London game to kind of recuperate. Uh, Baltimore opted not to because it was so early in the season. Um, so what that does to them. Uh, as far as week four goes, we don't really know. We didn't really know what the travel to London was going to do to them last week, and then we did, and it was horrible. Um, and Pittsburgh also, I just noticed like the differential between where they are uh, on the FanDuel board versus where their defensive DVOA is. Um, they're fourth in, in the in the NFL, it, like across the board um, in that in that metric. So I think having them at just forty five hundred. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think Baltimore could win this game, but it would be like a 17 to 13 type of type of thing. So I don't think there's any chance that the Steelers defense gets torched. All right. I don't have a problem with Houston either. I think Houston's another defense. I, think I like is, that. Yeah. You know, I love Tennessee and all, but it's, you know, this is a tricky place. I think a tricky spot for them. Sure. Uh, the rest of it, I don't see like a cheap defense this week unless you really want to you know, really go all the way down, just punt defense and go with Cleveland because let's face it, Cincinnati's offensive line stinks yep. and it's not going to get much better. So maybe they get a couple sacks on Dalton. You know, maybe there's a few opportunities there, but I really don't see that glaringly obvious. Yep. Here's that $4,200 defense I like this week. So it might be another week where it's worth paying up for defense, which is, is the alternate here. So what you do is just from a lineup construction standpoint, I'm going to put this out there. Because here's a lineup right now that I have, and I'm not going to give you all of it, but I'm just gonna, you can use your imagination here. If you have Brady, the Dalvin Cook, Fournette, slash Joe Mixon range, that's where you want to live at running back, okay? Some combination there of those two or Smallwood on the lesser end. So you got the big, the mid-range guy and the lesser guy, all of which can play like true number ones. I think that's what you go for. Then if you go to the wide receivers, you try to get at least one of those big-time guys Get a mid-range guy, so the A.J. Green group, maybe a Baldwin. You can even save some money there if he's healthy. And then you go with a Golden Tate, someone like that, in that 7K range. And then you can go and get a guy like Benjamin. It's going to make Brady and Gronk very usable. Now, here's the thing. If you fade down Ertz, like John's saying, uh, from Gronk all the way down to Ertz, well, guess what? You could take that extra couple grand, spend it up so you don't have to use a Benjamin. You can go two guys back-to-back in that 7K. So that's my advice to you out there right now in terms of, you know, your ability to fluctuate or or structure lineups this week. And again, if you you can even fade quarterback and then pay up for defense if you want to do that. Although I got to tell you, be very careful with quarterback. I think there's a ton of traps this week, John. Yeah, yeah, that that's the main thing here. If you if you get quarterback wrong this week, I think you're get, you're going to be in trouble because you know if you if you go away from the Brady um, and you try to get cute uh, and you, you're sitting there with with ten points from your quarterback, whereas where or while like everyone else you're you're seeing like towards the top of the payout um, has Brady, you know, with thirty, uh, you're sunk pretty much already. So um, yeah, like you said, uh, this quarterback week is tricky. That you know. Because, like like we said at the beginning of the show, Breeze uh, not being on the main slate, Rodgers having already played, 
Cam Newton not being Cam Newton uh, right now. Uh, there's no Andrew Luck at this point. So really, the the tight end, or the um, quarterback crop is really thinned out a fair bit. So be careful. All right, over two and a half million players have won cash prizes playing on FanDuel to take advantage of our special offer for new users. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash Rotowire and you'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription plus free entry into the NFL Sunday Million. What? Which offers more than one million in cash prizes with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Rotowire. Void where prohibited. All right, before we get out of here, bonus question because we're good like that. Le'Veon Bell has yet to top 20 points in a game so far. Came close last week. He had 18.8, so inching closer to Le'Veon Bell land. Roethlisberger on the road, division opponent against your Baltimore Ravens, who were embarrassed last week. Le'Veon Bell, does he finally cross the 20-point threshold this week? No. No, he does oh, not. Uh, look at uh, you. Yeah, you bleed I, I purple. <laughs> <laughs> against the Steelers, man. You're, they ruined my Christmas last year. Come on. Oh, well, you know, I, I'm a Patriots fan, so I've been happy for about 15 years. So I can't yeah, really uh, I can't really pitch. Uh, but I'm also a Mets fan. I'm a loser Mets fan, so I understand pain and suffering uh, on a whole other level. It's great. That's why I love fall, because I remember what it's like to feel good about sports. Again. <laughs> uh, but look, that'll uh, do it for us today. You can follow him on Twitter at Johnny McKex. You can follow me at JoePizzaPia17. You can hit us up there with all your questions. For everybody here at Rotowire, have a great weekend of Daily Fantasy.